and welcome to episode number 122 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Brad Allen, except for Wednesday. Well, that's fine. That's fine. We got a solo pod. Everything was good. Uh, we're going to go over the full NFL slate here in week two. Hopefully, we learned a little bit in week one. That was kind of our goal here is to see how some of these teams were going to play, see if there was any kind of information we could pull from the games that happened, and maybe we'll be able to get a winning week for you guys out of the way here in week two. I was able to go four and one in the circuit contest. Brett, you went four and one in the circuit contest. We'll have our circa picks at the end brad i don't think you went four and one but it's fine we a uh, long way to go long way to go and so uh we'll talk about our circa picks as well as our best bets here at the end of everything but guys let's kick things off really really quickly here with the thursday night game the browns do not cover a late score by the Bengals that gets it inside of the number they win by five there were five and a halfs that were available out there there were sixes but any number that you got, you lost if you were on the Browns. Uh, Brett, this was one of your early Circa picks in this one. I bet this one just with my own cash here. I thought that the Browns were going to be able to get things done. And for the most part, they did. But Brad, we were talking a little bit before we got going here. And I mean, Joe Burrow, uh, listen, the team is not very good. And overall, when you take a look at these things, I mean, the biggest thing is he's going to be running for his life back there. That offensive line is absolutely terrible. But I mean, by and large, I don't know if I'm going to be running to the window to bet against the Bengals on for big numbers, I think, at least moving forward, because there's a lot of skill position players there. Burrow looks pretty good. And it seems like the backdoor cover is always going to be be open for these guys yeah he, he looked he looked so good he looks so poised he looks so in command as you say the offensive line is, is not protecting him in the slightest AJ Green maybe is a bit of a shell of what he was but Burrow if, if no one's open he's running around he's getting the ball out quick they they put him back there um, in empty a lot of the time and he, and he was most efficient from there um, it basically played point guard back there and, and chuck it around and he, he did it brilliantly um, unfortunately the rest of the team is crap but um, yeah, he, he, he looks a star in the making. Brett, um, this was a game, like I said, you had on your card here. Burrow throws over 60 times. The first rookie quarterback since 1950 to do that. 37 completions was the most by a rookie in NFL history. Of course, the Browns were down their two starting corners. Olivier Vernon didn't play as well, so maybe temper a little bit of the expectations from what we see with Burrow there. But I guess uh, more than anything, what led you to the Browns and what did you take away from the game? I mean, this this is the kind of game where you you question why we do this to ourselves. <laughs> like the tor- the torture of reading a game correctly and still coming out on the losing end. That one hurt last mm-hmm. night. I mean, Cleveland dominated the entire way. Seven point five yards per play to four for the Bengals. Six point one yards on the ground. That's what I expected. I expected them to just run right over this Bengals defense that was without two starters on the defensive line. But Burrow was five for five on fourth mm-hmm. down. And I knew as soon as Hunt crossed the goal line late in the fourth quarter that Burrow was going to do it to us. Like, I just knew it was going to happen. The kid is so, like you guys said, the, the kid is so composed and in garbage time, they're going to be able to mm-hmm. do this. I, I, I see them being able to, to do this quite a, quite a bit during the season. Um, the silver lining is that I feel my process was right. I would bet the Bengals at this number again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. The line should have been seven and a half. Uh, but sometimes it just, it, 
you know, this stuff happens. Yeah, no, so, I, I, absolutely. I think, the, yeah, my biggest takeaway is I don't know if I'm going to be running to the window to bet against the Bengals when we have these big numbers here because it, it, this team is kind of built for garbage time touchdowns, right? I mean, they have skill players. I mean, you've got a bunch of wide receivers that can play pretty well. And like, if you're going to give them five yard buffers, I mean, we saw Buffett, they, they can take it down the field. They can go score and they can score in a quick amount of time here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Tyler Boyd, seven for 72. They tar- he targeted A.J. Green 13 <laughs> times in that game and uh, only caught three of them. As Brad, as you said, does look like A.J. Green maybe is a little bit of a shell of himself. Baker Mayfield, 16 of 23, 219, two touchdowns for him. Odell Beckham does get going a little bit for the team as well, over 70 yards for him. Uh, the, biggest, uh, the biggest thing there, Burrow, 2.4 seconds to throw the ball compared to Baker Mayfield's 3.38 seconds to throw the ball. A complete second shorter amount of time than what Baker Mayfield was getting. And I think that's going to be a theme that we see moving forward here in uh, in the course of the season. This offensive line is just absolutely atrocious and it's going to be very tough for them to protect Joe Burrow. All right, guys, let's get into things here. And this is uh, pretty interesting right off of the bat here. Let's talk about this Rams and Eagles. Rams head across the country to take on the Eagles. Of course, the Eagles blew a 17-point lead to the Washington football team. And that is the big story here. Is this a buy-low spot? Is this one of those spots where you're going to be looking to come back in? Um, Brett, I'll start with you on this one because I think you have a differing opinion maybe from me in this thing. Yeah, I see this as the the ultimate stock high, stock low situation. The Eagles embarrassed in week one at home. Um, they're at home this week. And everyone watched the Rams upset the Cowboys on Sunday night football. Uh, this line was four last week, moved through the key number all the way to Rams minus one and a half early this week and has normalized a bit. Now we're looking at Eagles minus one here on Friday morning at most shops. That's a significant move, though, off a one game sample, considering the Eagles now, you know, travel back home uh, and the Rams have to go across the country for a 1 p.m. game after a late Sunday game. They also the Eagles also get Lane Johnson, Miles Sanders back in the offense this week. Uh, It looks like uh, that gives them protection for Carson Wentz and also a playmaker in Sanders for this offense. They are severely lacking playmakers outside of their tight ends. Uh, so I just, I see this as a really good bounce back spot for the Eagles and you know, the Rams, they just outcoached the Cowboys last week. I mean, they had weeks to prepare for that. You've got McVay against McCarthy in a new system and they played keep away against Dak. Uh, they ran the ball 40 times mm-hmm. against the Cowboys last week and got out of there with a low scoring grindy win. Uh, they don't have the time to prepare prepare for the Eagles this week, and they're up against a far better coach. So I think I, I just look at this as a really good bounce back spot for Philly. Yeah, you said one, one and a half over at FanDuel right now in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. Brad, one of the things we looked at last week was if Jared Goff was going to be able to throw from a clean pocket. We said his numbers are drastically split when he is when he has time to throw and when he is under pressure. Last week, only sacked one time, only hit three. Three times in that game in which they came out victorious uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. How do you see them them here in week two heading across the country to go play the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with Brett on this one. I like the Eagles here. Um, I think 
we saw basically, as as Brett said, Sean McVeigh just coached around his quarterback last week. You know, it was screens, it was quick plays, it was it was anything to get the ball out of his hand before the pass rush got there, which is great. But that's now all on film. You know, the Eagles know how they want to play, and the Eagles' defensive line they're a little bit banged up, but they they're still going to have. Um, what's his name Fletcher Cox in there still going to have Malik mm-hmm. Jackson in there and this is still a Rams offensive line that was 28th in PFF pass, bro- pass blocking grade last year so I think they're going to have troubles and you you can keep trying to sling it around and, and get it out quickly but the the weakness of the Eagles defense is deep and I don't think the Rams are set up to take to take advantage of that uh, and then you can just compare the lines as well so obviously they went off 1.5 point favorites against the Cowboys so that was a, that was a night game on the west coast so that there's a built-in edge there suddenly you're flying all the way across the country for the 1 p.m start and now and you're still laying a point basically in, in some places or, or giving up a point um, so I think it's moved too far um, as for the Eagles they it, it, it looked like Doug Peterson didn't change his game plan whatsoever once mm-hmm once all these um, offensive line injuries came out, when Lane Johnson couldn't go, they didn't seem to adjust whatsoever. They should have They should have had the Rams game plan, screens and, and that kind of thing. Um, and they just didn't do that. And the Redskins obviously just tore them up. But we should have some people back. We should have Lane Johnson back. And you've got to think Doug Peterson's going to change that game plan and and ad- adapt to that. So, um, yeah, I, I think the Eagles should be favoured by uh, a few more here. So we'll give the kind of full disclosure thing and then I'll give you my opinion on this. So when this was uh, plus three and a half for uh, uh, for the Rams, I took the Rams at plus three and a half. Getting more than a field goal here for this Rams team was something I was pretty interested in. Um, this line, as you all mentioned, has moved rapidly all the way to a pick yesterday. Now it is back to a point in favor of the Eagles, point and a half, as we mentioned at FanDuel, as we sit and record this here on Friday morning. So, um, it's a little bit different of a view for me when I'm getting more than a field goal than when I'm getting just a point or a point and a half. Now, Brett, does that change your opinion here at all? Had this game, if this game was sitting at three and a half, because where I looked at it for me, like, yes, I feel like this is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe where it sits right now, kind of a pick them type situation. I can understand where that line comes from, but uh, more than a field goal for this Rams team here, getting past that key number was something that was too much for me to pass up. I don't care that they are on the road yeah. I don't, I, on, in week two. Well, when did you get the three and a half? Is my uh, it, the opener line. So it came out about, you know, whatever it was, Sunday evening or something like that. You know, five, okay. some, you know, like, so whenever they put them out. Yeah, obviously three and a half is better than a pick. So, yeah, I, uh, I would feel better about getting the three and a half through the key number there. So good job. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is does this uh, does it change your opinion on the game at all? Do you still think that the Eagles win this game? I do. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a close game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would. I, if I could get three and a half right now, I would probably take Rams three and a half. Uh, this actually is probably setting up even for a teaser leg for me as well. I don't see this as the the same way you guys do. Um, I actually think the Rams are pretty far superior team to this to this Eagles team. Uh, I, I don't think the addition of Miles Sanders being back is going to be that big of an uptick, in my opinion. Boston Scott I, is pretty much kind of like right there as far as skill set for me. So uh, wow. the the offense doesn't really fall off all that much between Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. And then uh, when you look at just the, when you look at, at the the overall kind of landscape of how this team's going to go. Yeah. I think Jalen Rager is going to be a player, but 
I mean, we saw one bomb to him, and then that was all his contribution. Deshaun Jackson was only out there for about half of the snaps for whatever reason, uh, still kind of dealing with stuff for him. Will Lane Johnson be back in there? I think that's going to be the biggest question mark here because we saw that was uh, a lot of pressure was able to get. And that's the other thing here. The Rams' defensive front is going to be able to put – a lot of pressure on uh, on Wentz just the same way that Washington did last week as well. So um, I don't know. I'm a little bit more down on this than you guys are. It's not a play that I have in the accounts or anything like that. But uh, I'm not jumping. I'm not jumping on the Eagles here like y'all are. Uh, Panthers at the Bucks. So the Panthers new look offense. I think we were all kind of interested to see what it was going to look like. Will everything still run through Christian McCaffrey? Will the wide receivers be able to make a ton of plays there for Teddy Bridgewater with all of the talent that he had? And of course, of course, it was the wide receiver we all expected in Robbie Anderson to go out there and have the big day for the Panthers and not any, not Curtis Samuel and, of course, not, not DJ Moore. And it was uh, Robbie Anderson that went out there and had the big day. But, yes, they still did run everything through Christian McCaffrey, so no real change there with the Panthers. I think what we did anticipate that we saw with the Panthers was that this defense was going to be one of the worst ones in the NFL, and that actually did come to fruition. Of course, the Bucks lose to the Saints in what I can only call – an incredibly weird football game. Now the Panthers on the road at the Bucks here. And Brad, we're talking about a big, big spread in this one. Nearly double digits. Will it reach double digits? Who knows? Nine, nine and a half, depending on where you're looking right now. How are you looking at this uh, Panthers at the Bucks game? Um, I think I, I have bet on the, uh, the Buccaneers minus nine and a half. Um, I, I just think it's, Basically, we, you know, we spoke last week how this this Panthers defense seven new starters, and it it basically showed um, they got two pressures all game on on the Oakland Raiders, um, and and the Raiders also had their left tackle went out, mm-hmm. so there was there was backup linemen in there. I think they had like a backup right guard playing tackle by the end of the game, and they still got two pressures. Um, and if, if if they get no pressure against Tom Brady, uh, even if Godwin can't go. Even if Evans is banged yeah. up, I, I think he'll just carve them up. Um, it, it's just a huge difference in opposition. Um, you know, there, there's a huge difference from going into New Orleans against probably the best all-round team in the league, arguably. Um, you know, there, there was pressure in Brady's face all day. There was a couple of miscommunications where Evans turned the, the wrong way, or, or Brady thought he would turn one way because it was it was zone, and he, he turned the other way. And you know, there's pick sixes because of that. And the, 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 obviously. They're not going to go away immediately, but when you don't have Cameron Jordan screaming down your throat and when you've got no pressure, it's much easier mm-hmm. to, to smooth out those wrinkles. Um, so, yeah, and then, and then on the other side, I'm not sure that the Panthers can protect uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And he, he's still he's still working his way in. Um, obviously, he had some t- success with the deep passing game, but that's again because the Raiders had zero pressure, and right. that's that's not going to be the case this week again. Um, so yeah, I just, I just think it's they're different class of teams. Uh, I made the number ten and a half, so I uh, was was happy to have a small bet minus nine and a half on the Bucks. So Brett, we take a look here. The one thing we kind of can pull from that Bucks defense last week as well is they were able to bottle up Alvin Kamara pretty good, and so here comes Christian McCaffrey this week for the Panthers and, you know, look, similar type of game, right? A guy that is runs the ball, but is, is very active in the pass game. Uh, Alvin Kamara goes only for 16 yards in that game on the ground. Now, I think Christian McCaffrey has a little bit better success than that, but um, something to consider as well as you look at this game. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they bottled up McCaffrey twice last year. I think his two worst, two worst games of the year came mm-hmm. against the Buccaneers. So, yeah, that's definitely a concern for this Panthers offense. I'm looking more at their defensive side of the ball, though. I mean, the, the defensive front's already sketchy, and now Kwan Short did not practice on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. This defensive line, like you guys said, is just such a huge question mark this season. They came in 29th in the preseason rankings. They did not record a sack. They got very little pressure last week. Uh, I just... My question is, can you lay more than a touchdown with Brady against anyone? Like, he was terrible last week. Threw 54 minutes, 15 for 28 for 157. He added some garbage uh, yards and a touchdown late. I just don't trust this team to be able to pile on points enough to cover big numbers yet. I need to see it first, especially if they don't have Godwin and, and you know, Mike Evans mm-hmm. hobbled. So I don't have really have a strong lean either way in this game. I want to see, I need to see what the Bucks can do first against the Yeah, team. I was actually leaning a little bit towards the over in this one before the wide receiver news came out. I, you know, look, I think the Bucks will be able to score. I'm not going to say at will, but I think they will put up some points for, sh- for sure. And then Panthers in garbage time, you know, I think that they were good for some as well there with the, with the wide receiver news I ended up holding off I'm kind of glad that I did if it goes in my favor I still could see myself getting on an over bet in this one not a ton for me to add y'all guy y'all hit everything I was going to talk about here I mean this is a this is I think they superior a far superior team playing a far inferior team the Panthers if they had any resemblance of a defense whatsoever might be an auto play for me here but the fact that that defense is a sieve what we've seen through week one and the Bucks should be able to kind of carve their way on down the field was not anything that I'm willing to back on the Panther side of things for me either so uh, I'll be I'll be I'll be watching this one here come Saturday when the injury news comes out and in and, and Sunday morning as well and Maybe you will see me getting on a play in that one as well. Uh, Broncos and what's that, Brad? I would say one one thing I'd add there. Mm-hmm. I, I like the overlook. I mean, mm-hmm. last with the Bucks run defense, it basically means the clock is nobody ever tries to run the ball against them. It happened right. last year. We saw again that it was, it was intact last week. So it just means you have to throw the ball. Um, and there's so many weapons all over the field that I think you know the Panthers can have some success. And we've already talked about. Um, you know, we expect Brady just to score nearly at will. So I do like that overlook as well. Broncos at the Steelers. The Steelers are sitting as seven point favorites as we sit right now. This number has come down just a tad. This there was a hook on this a little bit uh, a little bit earlier in the week at seven and a half on the Steelers. The Broncos, of course, coming off of a mixed bag performance I guess would be the best way to uh to say that whenever we're kind of looking at how this team uh breaks down here Brad we take a look at this Broncos and Steelers game here where uh Cortland Sutton did not play for the Broncos of course he is the veteran there Jerry Judy didn't help really the situation a ton couple of key drops there for the Broncos as well um then the Steelers, kind of kind of what we expected in this Steelers team. There was a very, very dominant defense. Maybe the offense needed a little bit of time to kind of get going with Ben Roethlisberger playing his first game since week two of last year. If you guys remember, Brad, uh, Ben Roethlisberger only played six quarters last year, um, and that was about it. It was a very... It was a very tale of two halves for Ben Roethlisberger. Pretty rusty, missing some pretty easy throws in the first half. And then uh, towards the end of the first half and into the second half, that Steelers team was able to do kind of whatever they wanted to against the Giants. And it looks like Ben Roethlisberger had kind of gotten into the flow of NFL football here. Broncos at the Steelers. Steelers seven-point favorites at home. 
I've, I've not made a play on this game yet. Seven is starting to become interesting to me um, because, again, it's a, a bit like what we talked about last week. This is the Steelers' defensive line is probably the best in the league. And again, they've got a bottom five, bottom six offensive line in, in the Denver Broncos. Um, so I like that matchup. The concern and the reason I haven't bet is Steelers' offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, they had five offensive linemen out. Um, out of practice on Wednesday. They don't know whether David DeCastro is like using all pro guard, whether he's going to play his replacement, Stefan Wisniewski. He, he was he was knocked out with a pec injury. So I need to see what kind of offensive line the Steelers have got in there, um, you know, when, when final injury reports come out. If, if DeCastro's back, which it sounds like he might be, then I'll probably go Steelers minus seven. If, if, if the um, if the line is a train wreck, then possibly the under under forty one under forty and a half could be a look as well because I think we could see a hell of a lot of sacks in this game if uh, if the Steelers' offensive line is banged up as well. Brett James Connor leaves that game early, does not play. Benny Snell comes in and do, they don't miss a beat really with Benny Snell in the backfield. Apparently, James Connor did practice in full on Thursday and is on pace to get going and get back into the game here. I don't know if that changes your opinion really at all. I, no, I mean, Benny matter. Snell looks looks fine to me. You know, it looks like this team was uh, had had their starter back there. So I don't know if that's anything. Um, so taking a look at this, a full touchdown at home here. I know you and I are in love with this defense. The defense did everything we thought they were going to do in week one. We talked all offseason about how much we love the Steelers defense, and they proved us right. Do they get it? Do they do it here again in week two? I don't know because I'm really high on Denver too. Uh, I I thought they outplayed Tennessee on Monday nights, even though mm-hmm. you know. Th- the scoreboard watchers probably would disagree that the Broncos should have covered with all those missed field goals by Goskowski, but I thought Denver played really well. Mm-hmm. This could be a sleepy spot for them. Uh, I mean, both these teams played on Monday night, but Denver has to travel across the country. I, I looked at this as an under game, just given how much I love both of these defenses, plus the, the key injuries to the Steelers offensive line, Banner on IR, DeCastro questionable, Wisniewski questionable, but I think I'm, I missed my window to get the best number there. A lot of money's been coming in on the under. So this is kind of a stay away for me. I kind of lean Broncos on the number, but Drew Locke, Drew Locke was only successful on Monday when he got out of the pocket. And with these edge rushers, uh, with the Steelers, I just don't see him having much success. So I'm just going to sit back and watch this one. I don't really have a whole lot. Uh, definitely not going. in. My yeah. Head. So this is pretty, this is a open leg of a teaser for me. I'll tell you how I'm going to close this thing out. You probably already know how I'm going to close it out, but um, you know, taking the seven, it was actually a seven and a half. So I got a worse, I got a bad end to this, but uh, taking it through the, through the seven, through the three, getting it under a field goal here for this Steelers team. I don't know if they win by more than a touchdown in this game, but I do believe that they win the game. Brett, for the same reasons that, that you're talking about here i think that when it comes down to it yes two good two good defenses here but one elite defense in the steelers drew lock didn't show me really anything all that special last week now he was without Cortland sutton i do understand that couple of uh a pretty bad drops for him there but his deep ball still didn't look very good still doesn't look completely poised would i be and i'm completely biased here so uh, completely biased in this time but does did joe burrow last night does he not look more comfortable in the pocket does he not look like a more complete player already in the nfl than drew lock does or is that just my eyes Uh deceiving me yeah no, yeah, obviously he does. All right, I'm just saying, I mean, it just so, I, I don't know. For me, everybody was talking about how Drew Locke was, this, you know, this 
at the end of last season, I think the win-loss record was a little bit deceiving there. If you look at who those games came against and where he was getting all those gaudy stats, it was against some of the bottom feeders when it comes to defense in the league. So uh, for me, opening up a teaser leg here, give me the Steelers at one, one and a half, however, you know, wherever you want to get it at for me is uh, is the opener. And I'll tell you how I'm going to close this thing out here in just a little bit. Really like that Steelers defense. think they're going to make it hell on Drew Locke. Falcons at the Cowboys, a game I am incredibly interested in. The Falcons fooled me. I thought for sure they would make it a competitive game at home against the Seahawks. That was not the case at all. It wasn't even close to that. And uh, here come the, now they got to head across over to Jerry's world over there in Arlington, where the Cowboys are sitting as five point favorites right now over at DraftKings. So um, Brett, Four and a half over at FanDuel if you want that. Um, this is an interesting game here. The Cowboys coming off a loss against the Rams in which you think that they were, that they didn't play uh, as bad there. And then you have this Falcons team that really did look pretty terrible, actually, against the Seahawks. Now, I think this is, that's more of a testament to the Seahawks and how they came out with an offensive game plan that finally that they actually, uh, that, that everyone has been screaming from a mountaintop that they use here for a long time. Five and a half to four and a half point favorites are the Cowboys at home against the Falcons. Yeah, definitely the most interesting line movement of the week for me. I mean, this opened at seven on the look ahead. It's now four and a half, you know, like you said, four and a half, five, five and a half at some books. It appears to be climbing again uh, towards that key number of seven, but injury injuries galore on the Dallas side, uh, especially on the offensive line, Smith Collins, the cornerstones up front for this offensive line. So you have to worry about the continuity and the chemistry of this unit. And then Leighton Van Der Esch, the leader on this defense. Uh, but even still, aren't the Cowboys a better team than Atlanta? Like much better? Like what did the what did the Falcons show us last week that warrants a move like this? I, I don't quite understand it. And I bet the Falcons last yeah. week. So like I, this is really confusing to me. I see this as a good spot for Dallas. I think there's just too many weapons here against this horrible Falcons defense. There's going to be a lot of points here. I know that much. I, I certainly look at the over here. I don't think any either either either's either defenses are going to get stops, but um, on, the, on the number, the spread, I'm leaning down. A guy that was supposed to be a contributor there on the offensive side of the ball this year, they were very excited about him. Blake Jarwin goes down. He gets placed on IR as well for the Cowboys. So, as you mentioned, Brad, just a ton of injuries there. Pass coverage was an issue for this Falcons team last year, Brad, and it seemed to be an issue again in week one as Russell Wilson was able to do whatever he wanted through the air. Now, one of the very best quarterbacks in all of the league and Russell Wilson, but here comes Dak and here comes Dak with, you know, it, I, while there is an injury to Jarwin, there are a couple of injuries, still a pretty nice looking offensive arsenal here going against this team. And again, this number fell and there are four and a halves to be had right there. Yes. So I think the injury situation is the real key here, isn't mm -hmm. it? Um, so probably, probably the left tackle. I mean, we probably remember the last time that Tyron Smith was out against the Falcons was the uh, Adrian Claiborne six sacks game. I think it was. Hmm. Um, and hmm. then the Falcons won like 14, nine or something. Uh, they, you know, the Cowboys just could not move the ball at all, especially if they're missing their center from last year, their right tackle from last year. Uh, the Falcons pass rush is, it's not great, but it, I think it is, is a little bit underrated. I think it's hmm. probably slightly above average um, by some PFF metrics. So if Smith is out, um, I think that that could be an issue. And then the, 
the tight end, he probably cost them the game after Jarwin went out uh, last week. There was a great Bill Barnwell piece this week talking about he like he he missed blocks. Then he um, there was a crucial fourth down where he ran he ran two yards down the field instead of three yards, which forced the receiver behind him to not get past the mm-hmm. sticks. So you know there are there are knock on effects if you've got someone who shouldn't be on the field. Um, and it doesn't look like Dalton Schultz should be on the field at the NFL <laughs> level. So I've not got involved in this game, but if Smith is out and the number is still above four, I might be tempted to have a small bet on the Falcons. Yeah, I. so when we record this, we're trying to get this out to to you guys as soon as, as, as we can so that you can move on some of these numbers before they really get going. And then also because we want to make sure that, you know, there's uh, plenty of time to kind of di- digest what we're going at here. So player props for a lot of these games have not come out yet. And so with that, it's a little bit tough for me to – uh, get to where I, I try to make a lot of money on on the weekends and some of these player props, but I can tell you this, and I don't. I, I'm curious as to y'all's opinion on this, and see if I'm off base here. But I'm going to be looking at offense in this game. I'm going to be looking at receiver props in particular whenever they come out, and if I find DK Metcalf numbers like in the 50s or something like that even if it was low I you know I think anything in the 50s is going to be an auto overplay for me on Metcalf I think that there's we are going to we we're uh, sorry I'm looking at uh, I'm I'm looking at the wrong thing as <laughs> like, no, no. Wait, wait, we're on a sorry sorry, sorry 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 on um <laughs> on on Amari Cooper if anything is in the 50s um for for Amari Cooper is going to be something that I'm going to be kind of like an an auto overplay here uh, for me I mean like this is I th- I think a baseline projection for him would be for me in the high 60s. So if I'm going to get a 10 yard kind of from where I have a, a projection system kind of looking at here um, from the numbers that I'm doing kind of crudely here um, on, on my end, anything in the 50s, maybe even in the kind of low 60s would be an auto play on the over for me. I think that the Cowboys through the air here against this Falcon secondary is something I'm going to look to attack from a player prop standpoint. I'm with you. I'm not worried as much about the offensive line because of the weapons they have and their ability to separate. If Dak can get the ball out quickly, I think the Cowboys are going to be fine here. And Amari, just look at Amari's splits at home since he joined the Cowboys. The guy just eats there. And I think I just I'm expecting a huge game out of the Cowboys this week. So let's take a look here at the 49ers and Jets, a game that I actually do have a play on. So very curious as to how you guys see this one breaking down. I mean, this is an injury situation on the 49ers where playmakers galore are not going to be either not playing or not going to be at 100%. There was already nobody to throw to from a wide receiver standpoint for the 49ers. Now George Kittle gets injured at the end of the first half of the game last week. He tried to tough it out, but here he is not practicing all week long. They said he's going to try to get him to go but that being said um you know if he's not practicing all week long he is going to be out there hobbling around if even if he does get to go on the jet side of the ball Le'Veon Bell to IR not that I think any of us really care about that at this point but just something to mention Jamison Crowder actually has a fairly big week last week with seven catches becomes the favorite target there of Sam Darnold um, Brad, let's start with you on this one. The 49ers travel across the country here to go to the Jets, and they are seven-point favorites at some shops. You can find six and a halfs out there. 
by the way you've asked me that question, it suggests to me you like the Jets. <laughs> I don't want to like the Jets, man. I don't God. want to like the Jets, but it just a touchdown, a full touchdown with this 49ers team with no playmakers essentially to speak of right now. I, I don't know if I can pass it up. I just don't know. I just don't know. Well, I, I have better 49ers, so... Uh, all right, all right. We'll, 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 Good, let's, let's, yeah, let's I try like and talk it. each other out of it. Yeah, yeah. let's be on so the other side. Again, it's my favorite theme. We've got, we, I think, well, one of the top three offense, uh, defensive lines mm-hmm. in the 49ers, you know, Eric Armstead, the Bosa. Um, they're going up against what by, so Brandon Thorne, who uh, writes about offensive matchup, uh, offensive lines and stuff for established run. He has the Jets as the literal worst, uh, literal worst offensive line in the league. And he, he actually has the Niners mm-hmm. as the best defensive line. So he thinks this is the biggest possible matchup mismatch that you could get in the trenches um, in the NFL. So I don't really see how the Jets move the ball at all. Like they, they, they couldn't move the ball against the Bills who who are fine up front. They're kind of middle of the pack. They're not the Niners. They've got their, their lead running back is a 37 year old Frank Gore. Uh, Jameson Crowder was pretty much the only target last week. He's banged up. So he might be somewhat limited. So I, I don't see them getting that far past 10 points like Gase mm. they, they used play action twice they didn't use motion he's, he's doing like on, on third down he wasn't there was no receivers running routes past the stick this is this is just a huge coaching mismatch you've got one of the worst coaches in the league one of the worst offensive lines in the league both of both of which factors I think are underrated and then on the other hand you've got Shanahan who he's probably not going to have his receivers I think Kittle will play I was reading some beat reports and they're you know they're saying it doesn't matter if he doesn't practice all week he's, he's going to go he doesn't need to practice he knows the scheme and I think as long as they've got Kittle and then Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield, they've got enough weapons, I think, to score 23. And as I say, I, I, I don't know how the Jets move the ball at all or get past 10. So, um, yeah, I, I right. know it's a bit of a square bear That's, play. But no, no, no. Listen, this was, it's not in my account yet. The only one that is in my account for this game, Brad, is the under in this game. For under 42 and a half uh, was a play that I was, uh, I was, I jumped on pretty good. You can still find one 42 and a half out there, it looks like, but it looks like this thing is primarily has moved to 41 and a half um, for a lot of the same reasons that Brad said is that I just don't see very much offense in this game whatsoever. I don't, you know, even if Kittle does play, he's not going to be at a hundred percent. We kind of saw in the second half there where he was gutting it out, but he just wasn't getting open. Wasn't, wasn't able to separate, wasn't able to do anything. And of course we know what the jets bring to the table from an offensive standpoint. So I just kind of see a low scoring, ugly game which kind of was the reason I was leaning towards taking the points with the Jets was I just don't see very many points scored really at all in this thing how are you uh how are you kind of looking at this one I didn't think I would say this early in the season but I don't think this is a terrible matchup for the Jets (laughs) at least on one side of the ball like what do the 49ers do well they run the football uh what's the one thing the Jets do well they stop the run that showed last week, Buffalo 3.1 yards per carry. Um, so I li- I'm with you. I like the under. As far as the side goes, it's, this is a stay away for me. Obviously, seeing this putrid Jets performance <laughs> here in Buffalo, like the knee-jerk reaction is just fade this team if they're getting less than a touchdown. But there are key injuries on this San Francisco roster that give reason for concern. And like I said, I don't think this is a terrible matchup for the Jets. Mm. I, I expect this to be like a, I don't know, 
20 to not maybe not even 20 like maybe just like a 17 to 10 game yeah yeah I, I think the 49ers I think the 49ers will be able to kind of even with the injuries on the defensive side of the ball for them as well will be able to hold this future Jets team down I mean look if you're, if you're the Jets you just you understand you're going after Trevor Lawrence at this point so just go ahead and just do it like make the move wow make the move here in week two Make the move in week two. You're giving up on Sam yeah, already. Yeah, huh? you make the move here in week two. You're taking Trevor Lawrence. You're moving on. Uh, get going here. I don't see very many points at all. Like I said, I'm on the under already. I might lean towards the Jets a bit more as we get closer to game time. I'm going to see how this injury report kind of plays out here for the 49ers over the next 48 hours. And uh, you might see me on. You might see me on the Jets, but I am definitely already on the under in this one. Brett, of course, we're going to kick things off with you here as your Buffalo Bills travel down to Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins kept it interesting for a little while, I guess you could say, in that game with the Patriots last week before finally, you know, just doing kind of what what, what everybody thought was going to happen. Anyway, at least all of us, we were all on that, on that pick. The Bills are going down there as five-and-a-half-point favorites in a game with a total of 41 now Brett I I, you know to me and tell me if I'm off base here but aren't you kind of bringing to town and I understand it is at least a road game for the Bills here but aren't you kind of bringing to town a little bit of what the Dolphins saw last week I mean we didn't necessarily know that the Patriots were going to run an offense that looked very similar to what the Bills run but that's kind of what played out last week yeah, it is. I mean, this game is this game is super interesting. It's it's an, an, another move here off the look ahead, like two and a half points. Uh, it was at the key number of three last week. The Bills have dominated this matchup over the years, but this is a very different Miami team this season. Like they brought in a lot of free agents. They they shook up the coaching staff. I do think they're going to get better every week. And you look at this Bills roster right now, the defense, they've got some glaring holes. Edmonds, Hughes, Milano look like they all are going to miss. Micah, Micah, uh, Micah, I can't even think of his last name. Uh, Their starting safety was was hobbled uh, last week. So I think Miami is going to be able to score here. I love the over here. I think this is way too low. You got some injuries in that Miami secondary as well. The Mike, I just, I think this could go over 50. I just don't see a whole lot of defense here. Uh, the only concern really is the weather, which, you know, we're looking at probably 10 plus, maybe 15 mile per hour winds, which is a concern for the passing game. But with, with these linebackers out for the bills, I think Miami should just be able to, to actually run the football. That's how you beat the bills last year. And I think that's how you go get them this year too. Brad, this was, you know, mobile quarterback in Cam Newton last week, mobile quarterback in, in Josh Allen this week, kind of lean towards a little bit more towards the run heavy type side side of things. Do the bills. That's what the Patriots kind of did to this Dolphins team last week as well. They hung for a little while. I mean, they didn't, it wasn't like the Patriots just ran, you know, it was a complete blowout or anything like that before they finally took control of the game. Five and a half, always that weirdest, weird number, kind of like that. We don't want to really give you the six. We don't really. So five and a half is where we sit right now. Bill's heading down to Miami. Yeah. So I like what Brett said there. I think the Bills are kind of. Patriots like with just like a really well coached defense built from the back to the front, you know, with a good secondary and then kind of movable pieces up front. And then on the other side, decent run game and a mobile quarterback now. So I, 
they also did a lot of quite interesting things last week. The Bills are kind of, I think, a secret analytics team. You don't you don't really hear a lot about them like you do with mm-hmm. the Browns or whatever. But they ran, they they passed uh, like sixty five percent of the time. They ran the most play action in the league. A lot of four wide receiver sets. A lot of motion. So a lot of play action. I don't know if I said that. So they did a they did a lot of things which. I thought, you know, sort of really helped Josh Allen out. Um, you know, he connected a couple of times with digs deep. So I, th- I thought they looked really good. But I am, so yeah, I looked at the Bills, but I am A, concerned about this weather. We've seen a lot of teams go down to um, down to Miami in in September when it's 90 degrees out there and, and just wilt in the second half. So that was a concern. And then these linebacker cluster injuries, uh, yeah, both both starting linebackers have Brett mm-hmm. set out. And then both their backups left the game as well last week. So that's a concern. Obviously, linebacker is, is not as important as it used to be. And the Dolphins are terrible at running the ball because, you know, they had sort of three new offensive line pieces. Um, but yeah, that there's just too uncertain, too much uncertainty all over the place here for me. So uh, I've left it alone. Would probably lean bills if you uh, if you had to have a bet at five and a half. Yeah, I um, uh, same with me here. I have a Bills lean, and I want to love the Bills in this situation because I think they might be even a little better version of what we saw from the Patriots last week. But a um, lot, a lot, a lot of unknowns here. A lot of concerns for me. Not able to pull the trigger at that five and a half. So. Um, going to be a no play for me. I'll sit back and, and definitely watch it, though, because I'm interested to see what the Bills are able to do here on the road and see if this is a, a real a real contender, because I think that people out there are really going to watch this game to see if the Bills are able to get things done and handle business. Get those, What's that? Get those Mike, get those Mike Gazicki overs this week. That guy is going to feast on whoever we throw out. All right. Backers. So there it is. That's that. That's what we'll, and I will definitely look for that as well. So we'll definitely do that. Yeah. One of the more interesting lines of the week here, the Vikings are on the road at the Colts. Yes, the Colts that lost to the Jaguars uh, this past week and our favorites at home against the Vikings who did not look very good themselves against the Packers. Colts, three-point favorites at home against the Vikings. Brad, this was one of the more interesting games of the week for me that I thought I was going to be staying away from. I ended up uh, maybe coming around here. How do you see this thing? Um, I I think Colts are one of my favorite bets of the week. Um, I so so last week they they didn't punt. <laughs> you know they had. Mm. They turned it over in the red zone several times, um, you know, failing on fourth down, some some questionable Philip Rivers interceptions. Um, but you, you you watch that game back, and he looked in he looked in full command of the offense. You know, he's, he's calling he's calling plays at the line, he's switching things up. He looked he he looked pretty good to me. Um, you know, he does make boneheaded mistakes, but it happens. And then the Colts defense, um, I think they were they allowed a perfect uh, three for three on red zone. Um, so as in, as in the Jags converted basically all of their red zone attempts into touchdowns, um, which you know is, is running hot. Basically, it's not necessarily predictive. Um, so I think basically everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Colts. And then they basically this matchup I think fits them perfectly because a bit like what we talked about in the last game. I think the Colts are the Packers. They've got a strong offensive line, so I don't think the Vikings are going to get much pressure. They've got a veteran quarterback who can get it out quick and go after these cornerbacks um, who are, you know, there's there's three new cornerbacks in there. The safeties are good for the Vikings, but the cornerbacks can be burnt, and we saw the Packers burn them. And mm-hmm. if there's no pressure, which I don't think there is going to be pressure, then I think they're just going to carve them up. Um, and as I say, the Colts defense, I think, is, is fine. It's middle of the pack. Um, 
But if they're scoring 30, I'll, I'll happily lay three with them. We are on the same page here, my friend. After, as I dug into this more and more, I ended up on the Colts myself. And I think when you look at that, I mean, the underlying stats here, the Colts really did dominate that game against the Jaguars. A couple of untimely turnovers, and that is kind of how the, the game flipped on its head there. Way more yards per play, way more total yards. As you mentioned, there was just you you kind of watch that back and you start to realize like, all right, this is uh this was really a, a pretty dominant performance. It just didn't go the way of the Colts here. Brett, whenever we look at this Vikings team, I mean, this was a Vikings team that just, you know, three years ago we were talking about the the big time, the vaunted defense there. And that, you know, wow, how are you going to move the ball on the Vikings? And now it is a shell of that situation. Everson Griffin is out of town here. Daniil Hunter gets put on IR for them. Uh, Ngakwe hasn't really had a chance to kind of get really involved there yet. I imagine he'll be a difference maker a little bit down the road, but uh, he only got, you know, he only got traded for like a week and a half or two weeks before the season started for for this uh, Vikings team. And of course, there's nobody playing corner for them. They're running out rookies and, and, and cast offs and stuff. So, yeah, give me the veteran quarterback behind a really good offensive line that should have time to throw and kind of carve up this team. I, I also am on the Colts minus three. Yeah, I wanted to love the Colts. And I, I agree with Brad. Like, this does feel a little bit like last week. The Colts are very similar to the Packers in a lot of ways. The main difference, though, is a quarterback. I mean, Rivers, uh, Rogers just carved them mm-hmm. up last week. My concern is, you know, the River or Rogers, I can't even get these names. Rivers, They're both old quarterbacks. It's fine. Okay, the, the people will understand. Yeah, yeah they get I mean, it. But they're very different. Like Rivers is a checkdown guy, and, and it worked last week against the Jaguars. You can't do that against the Vikings with Kendricks and these linebackers, he's going to have to push the ball downfield to T Y Hilton and Pittman and and Doyle uh, in order to move the ball this week. And if he can do that, I think they're going to win pretty easily, but I need, I need to see it first. I mean, they just relied so much on Hines and Taylor out of the backfield, much like they did last year with Eckler. Mm -hmm. I just, I, you know, I I need to see them be able to push the ball downfield 15 plus yards in order to, to, beat this Vikings defense because that, that's how you beat this Vikings defense. Just throw it at these cornerbacks. They can't cover anybody, which we saw last week. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I almost put the Colts on my card this week, but they fell just short. Yeah, I um, And I think that it's kind of getting reflected in this total as well that, that, that everybody's kind of expecting the Colts to be able to march the ball kind of up and down the field here through the air. I mean, 48 and a half is a pretty big, pretty big total here for two teams that really, really disappointed last week, at least in the final scores and, and what we saw there. But 48 and a half on the total there. I don't have a play on the total, but like I said, I'm pretty heavy on the Colts here. Minus three, um, one of my favorite plays of the week. Not my not my very favorite play, but one of my very one of my favorite plays of the week. Lions and the Packers. We just talked about how good the Packers looked last week. The Lions kind of blew it. I think that's really the only way for me to explain it. I think the Lions really did blow that game. And what we're having here is a pretty interesting scenario where they're catching a lot of points here, up to six and a half now. Brett at the uh, at DraftKings Lions on the road at the Packers. I know I think you are a Lions fan this week. I will be Lions fan most weeks this year. <laughs> I think, uh, especially like especially after that heart wrenching loss, like the, the meltdown on defense after the two, the two cornerbacks go down, the drop by DeAndre Swift. I mean, all of that was just so Detroit Lions, but they looked like a solid football team. 
like the the football the, the football team we really expected them to be up until late in that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know if they'll have Coleman or Trufant this week in that secondary, but Jeff Okuda not on the injury report, expected to make his debut. They'll definitely uh, need him against Rodgers. And the Packers have their own injury issues on the offensive and de- defensive side of the ball. I just, I don't think Green Bay is that much better at football than Detroit. This line feels a couple points off. And if like, if we can get seven, I think if you can get Detroit seven, that's the best bet of the week. Uh, I, I, I think that's a play you need in your account. Six and a half is fine too. But um, yeah, I just think, I just think this should be like four. I don't think green Bay is that much better than Detroit. Even, even like with, with the, the meltdown last week, I think there were, there were factors there that caused that the, the two cornerbacks leaving the game were huge. So that is, I guess the concern here then Brad, right? I mean, are they going to be able to stop the, the Rogers to Adams combo here? You have Devonte Adams, 14 catches for 156 yards last week. And, you know, basically showing that even if you know who Aaron Rodgers is going to throw it to, Devontae Adams is good enough to continue to get open. Aaron Rodgers can still get him the ball, and they can still march down the field and beat you. Are they going to? Are the Lions going to have enough to stop that combo and and, and keep that from happening this week? Um. So as far as I could see, Coleman is out. Um. Obviously, Akuda will be in by the sounds of it. Um. And I, I, don't, I don't think we're sure on True Font. So, right, I think that's important because obviously uh, Coleman is is one of the best nickel corners in the league, um, and I don't really see how the Lions get any pass rush here. Um, I, I know the the Packers have a bit of shuffling around uh, on the offensive line, but um, whoever missed last week, he's going to come back in and, and sub in for the mm-hmm. uh, the chap who was who, who's missing this week. So I think they'll be fine there. And what was really interesting about this Rogers performance was how quickly he got the ball out. Um, I think he, yeah, he averaged 2.25 seconds to throw the ball, which is one of the best marks of the week. Uh, and there was a great piece on PFF this week saying how back in his Super Bowl run, back in you know when they went 16 and 0, he was in rhythm. Essentially, he mm-hmm. was he was trusting his receivers, he was trusting the system to you know, and he was just dropping back, hitting the hitting the mm-hmm. top of his drop, and letting the ball go. And last season, year before that, he, well, he's not done it for a few years. He, you know, he's throwing it away. He's holding it. He's packing the ball, and then he, he ends up throwing the ball away. He led the league in throwaways. But last week, it really like he trusted his receivers. He was he was just letting it go, letting it fly in rhythm. Um, and I, I can see it happening again. To be honest, it, you know, he, he talked yeah. about how he feels more comf- confident in the system. So I, I can see them putting up a lot of points again. Um, and I can probably see the Lions coming back at them. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in Stafford in, in the deep passing game that they unveiled last year. Um, do we know? Do we know anything about Golladay yet? Do we know? It, what he did play? not return to practice, so it looks pretty bad for him to play. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, I probably lean over over forty nine and a half at the current number. Um, six and a half of the spread, no play for me there, but. I, I, probably quite like the over if Golladay went then uh, it would be a bet for me yeah I was really kind of hinging my play here on Golladay I think he does make that big of a difference here for the Lions to be able to keep this thing you know where we need it to be inside the number does not look like that's going to be the case here so for that it becomes a pass for me as opposed to a play on the Lions I was really hoping he'd be able to get back in there because I did want to see what a full strength Lions team looked like against this Packers team I wanted to see kind of these guys early season head to head here and what we're going to be looking at in in that division but 
does not look like that's going to be the case. Kind of going to be a stay away for me here. I actually kind of do believe in the Packers. I rewatched that one as well, and it was a pretty friggin' dominant performance, I mean, top to bottom, from what I saw there. Um, so I, I, it was a stay away for me in this one, and I'll sit back and watch and. Hopefully we can get this Lions team back to full strength and, and get Galladay out there. And then that'll be something that we can start to maybe take advantage of a little bit further into the season. Uh, Giants at the Bears. The Giants are heading on the road here as five and a half point dogs in this one. The Giants, the last time we saw them, it was basically Daniel Jones running for his life against that Steelers defense that we talked about a little bit earlier and how good they played. The Bears were putting together an improbable comeback because Mitchell Trubisky just played the best quarter that he's ever played in his whole life, essentially, and they put together an improbable comeback in this one. Brett, Giants plus five and a half. I'll I'll just go ahead and, and... Pull the curtain back here. One of my plays of the week for the for the contest. One of my plays is going to be in my account as well. If you kind of watch that Giants game, as good as the Steelers defense played, the Giants moved the ball. There was a couple. There were two untimely turnovers. One of which was uh, game changing. The Giants had a long drive, march the ball all the way down the field. They get down to the goal line. Daniel Jones gets hit on the arm as he's throwing the ball. It floats up in the air. And there's an interception in the end zone right there. I mean, you're talking about they were down there in at the very least settling for a chip shot field goal, if not having another opportunity in the end zone. That game might have turned out differently if they get in the end zone right there, even if they get a field goal in that situation, as opposed to turning it over to the Steelers when they did. I think I think Jones looked fairly all right. I mean, the biggest problem was he was running for his life. I mean, he was under pressure second most of any quarterback on the week. And and when you're doing that in those types of situations, it's going to be tough. So uh, Giants five and a half for me. How do you see this one? I mean, isn't that kind of the situation this week too with this Bears pass rush? It's not the Steelers, but this this pass rush is very good. And as we saw last week, the Giants offensive line is not good. And you've got Daniel Jones. Yeah, that was you know the, a big play there in the red zone where he threw that pick, but that that's predictive stuff. That's Bud Dupree getting in his face and making a play like that's the stuff that you have to cap for. And I, I expect to see a lot of that from Daniel Jones when he's facing really good pass rushers like a Camille, Khalil Mack. So, I mean, that's I, I agree that the Giants looked better last week than I expected them to. But against defenses this good, I just I think they're they're in for they're in for it. And uh, this is just a disaster of a football team. It's just so it's so painful to watch Saquon's talents being wasted every week. The guy just could not get any space. He just kept getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage last week. And when you try to run an offense around your running back, it's just it's just not it's not efficient. So I it, it this is this is Bears pass rush against Daniel Jones for me, and that's why I'm kind of leaning the Bears. Yeah, one week sample here, Brad. I mean, so take it for what it's worth. PFF graded the pass rush for the for the Bears kind of like middle of the pack. Their coverage grade middle of the pack, so not not even in, uh, not even kind of in the top ten in the league. And one week sample, smallest of sample sizes here. But um, I, I don't know. Am I am I way off here in thinking that the Giants can keep this thing uh, inside of you know inside of six points? 
No, this is this is one I've bet as well. We seem to be on the same page mm-hmm. this week. Um, yeah, I like, like the Giants here. Um, yeah, so Jones he graded um, he graded in the top ten last week uh, by PFF, uh, number nine, just behind Roethlisberger and Brady, ahead of Goff. So he, he, you know he did have a decent game uh, despite the duress he's under, and I do think the Bears' pass rush is a step down. It, you know it is still good, but it's not it's not Steelers. So. We'll also see Jones with all of his weapons for the, I think for the first time ever. We should have Golden Tate this week, you know. So you add Golden mm-hmm. Tate to Engram, uh, Saquon in the backfield, um, Sterling. What's his name? Who's the, who's the deep threat? Yeah, Sterling Shepard and Slayton. Yeah, Slayton. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 a that's a lot of weapons out there, um, and they look really good off play action. That that touchdown to Slayton, where you know there was quick play action to Saquon and then chucked it deep, despite having like negative five rushing yards. You know, mm-hmm. defenses still bite. Um, so I, I thought that I thought that was promising, and I, I can see the the Giants putting up some points. And I, I think the Bears were flattered last week by that Lions game. We, we spoke about the injuries, a to to Galladay, but on the on the defensive side in the fourth quarter, Jamie Collins, yeah. the linebacker, was out of the game because he'd accidentally bumped into the ref. They were down three corners. They were down to like, you know, they're pulling people out of the crowd to stick at quarterback. Yeah. And so obviously Mitch Trubisky has the best quarter of his life. Well, when, when the starting corners are in there, he scored three points or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Mitch Trubisky suddenly become good. I think, I think we, he reverts to, to who we think he is this week. And uh, I think we've probably got the better quarterback here getting five and a half. You probably, you might get six if you want to pay a bit of extra juice. Um, and I think that is a good bet. And I, I took some money line as well because uh, I think that we could see some volatility here early in the season. Yep. This one is in my account already. Like I said, for all of the reasons above, I think the giants were, when I were kind of rewatched that game against the Steelers, I, I think they were not quite as dominated as people were trying to play that out to be. So um, definitely like that bet. Pretty good here. Jaguars at the Titans. Jaguars pull the upset against the Colts at home. Now they head on the road to the Titans, who Titans get it done barely on Monday night football. Brad, looking at this uh, at the at the spread in this one, we're looking at the Jaguars catching eight points here at the Titans. Is that justified? This is a game I, I just don't really know what to mm-hmm. do with um, because I, you know, I, I still think the Jags are a, a four or five win team. I still think they could just get pushed around this game as, as I thought that, I mean, they did get pushed around last week. They did mm-hmm. get doubled up in yardage. They did get beat. They pulled it out and eight and a half. I would probably go the Titans way. You know, that they are, a, I think they are a legitimate 10 win team. I think Tannehill is more the guy we saw last year than when he was just, being, you know, handcuffed by Adam Gaze, who I think is the worst coach in the league. So I, I do buy I do buy the Titans as a playoff team. I do buy the Jags as a bottom feeder. Um, I would lean Titans, but it's a it's just a bit of a nothing game for me. Brett, this is a home team that is favored by eight or seven and a half. I said that there was going to be an opportunity for me to close out a teaser here it is right here. I'm going to be taking this one down to two or a point and a half, depending on where you, you get it and at what time or whatever it might be. But give me the home team here against, again, Jaguars one. Hats off to them. Good for them. Still think they're a bad team. Titans get it done here by more than a field goal. For me, far more likely scenario. So uh, closing out the, the old teaser here with the Titans at minus two or a point and a half, whatever you decided to get it at. Are you betting 
the spread as well. I feel like you don't need to tease this. I feel like the, the Titans are just going <laughs> to run away with this. Like the, the Jaguars are the most Literally run away with it because Derrick Henry got like 77 exactly. carries again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally run away with it. Yeah, but just look what look at look, look at the second game last year. I mean, the, Henry just ran all over them, and they got rid of a lot of their good defensive. Like the Jags got rid of all their good defensive players last mm-hmm. year. This is a shell of what it was even last year. So yeah, like you said, I mean, the, the Jags won their Super Bowl last week. Like good for them, but I think this is this is going to be. Or, uh, they're just going to run all over the Jaguars this week. I love the Titans. The look ahead here was ten and a half. I think that's where the line should be. So I think we're getting a couple points of line value through that secondary. Yeah, one number. thing to mention, if you just look at the box scores, maybe you missed that there were four missed field goals by the Titans in that game. So it was the score was not quite as reflective of what went on in that game. Um, yeah, for me, Derrick Henry, I think goes crazy. I mean, he had 30 one carries last week wouldn't surprise me if he has upper 20s in this one maybe even low 30s yet again um they get it done by definitely a field goal here i needed a i needed a a spot to close out the teaser so uh this seemed like as good as any so this is already in my account as well if i had to play it it would certainly be a titans play or nothing for me no way i'm backing the jaguars on the road in this situation at all Washington football team at the Cardinals. So taking a look here at this one, the Washington football team pulls off the upset last week against the Eagles. Cardinals looked really, really good, actually. Cardinals at seven-point favorites over at DraftKings. Brett, give me a reason that you could back the Washington football team on the road at the Arizona Cardinals here. I can't not off that win last mm-hmm. week, which I mean, that's definitely affecting the market. And we haven't seen a whole lot of, of movements uh, off the look ahead, but the Cardinals are just. This is a very different mm-hmm. spot than last week, like the Cardinals as, as a unit up front are able to protect Murray way better than what we saw last week with the Eagles and Carson Wentz. And they, the Was- Washington was only in that football game because of the pressure they got up front. That's it. Um, plus, you got, you got Kyler Murray, who's the most elusive quarterback there is in the pocket. Yeah. I just, they're just not going to have that success this week. I think this is a really good spot for the Cardinals. Um, and we know what Washington is on the offensive side of the ball. Sure. Arizona doesn't bring a whole lot defensively, but yeah, I can't, I can't trust Haskins to, to keep pace with this Arizona offense. So um, I think six and a half is more than fair. I would, I think this should be yep, same with me at this was if I was in a survivor contest, I actually didn't get in the one over at Circa. If I was in a survivor contest, the Cardinals would be my play this week uh, from a strategic standpoint as well. You know, you can only use a team once. And so I think this is the prime opportunity to use them. Brad, you're talking about a team here in the Cardinals in the top five, as far as situation neutral pace, they're, they're wanting to get out there and keep this pace high. They want to use Kyler Murray to their advantage. They want to use the fact that they spread out with all those wide receivers to their advantage over and over over and over again and as Brett mentioned the the key to Washington's success is the pass rushing up front are they going to be able to continue the pressure throughout the course of an entire game when the Cardinals are running at this breakneck pace and they're running fa- they're running so fast and play after play after play I don't think they hold up over the course of time here so I also uh Cardinals six and a half for me yeah, yeah, I agree. I think they were flattered last week by mm-hmm. you know the, just by the injuries, by the matchup, the, the dream mm-hmm. matchup for that offense, for that defensive line. Um, and the, so the Cardinals last week they also faced a pretty stiff defensive line challenge in the Niners, but 
but they can they negate it somewhat with scheme. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 a lot of motion, quite multiple, so it does slow down the pass rush a bit or the play action as well. And B, just with Kyler Murray, like if if someone comes close to him, he takes off like a tiny rocket ship. <laughs> um, he's, he's he's incredible to watch. Um, so basically, I think if if you can keep that defensive line out, then. Which, which I think that we can. Then the, the Washington secondary is is not good at all. Um, we, we, I mean, the the chemistry between Hopkins and Kyler Murray looks to be there immediately. Um, so I, I can see I can see them scoring. Then the Washington offense was the worst in the league last week by um, by yards per play, three point four yards per play. I mean, that, that is abysmal. Thirty eight percent success rate, bottom three in the league as well. So. Uh, yeah, and then um, Haskins, thirtieth ranked quarterback by PFF. So they were really, they were really bad. And if you know, if the Cardinals are scoring as, as we think they can, there's not really any evidence to suggest that the, the Redskins mm. can keep up. Um, so I've not bet it yet, um, but would definitely lean Cardinals, and I'll see what that number does. Yep, I got the uh, I got the six and a half in the account. Fortunately, it looks like this thing is moving to seven pretty rapidly. There are six and a halfs out there as we record this. So if you're hearing this, go and run to your run to your book and see what your number is at. It looks like there are six and a halfs out there, Brett, right now at Points Bet and at Sugar House. DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM have all moved to seven. Um, but you can head over to the lines if you need an account at any of these other books if you live in those jurisdictions so that you can uh, take advantage of the best number that is available out there for this thing. Ravens at the Texans. So, Brad, I don't know if you know or not, but um, the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs had a pretty good day on the ground against the Texans. And then here come the Ravens to town, and they do something pretty well as well, and that is run the football. Um, Ravens coming in as touchdown favorites in this one it almost seems like a trap i don't know tell me what i'm tell me what i'm missing here i i I don't really know i don't i i think again if you look at kind of you look at some elo models maybe that that will say it should be closer closer than it should because the texans did win a lot of games they were a good team last year but they're also i think 31st against rushing quarterbacks last year as well. So it's not just that they're bad against yeah. the run, they're bad against this specific type of run. I mean, the Ravens, what they beat them 45 7 or something last year. Um, why well, the case for the Texans, I guess, is that the Ravens defense is missing uh, Earl Thomas, obviously, so could be vulnerable mm. there. And if Deshaun Watson is just forced to throw 50 times, if 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 just by scoring so many points, the Ravens force Bill O'Brien to kind of unleash his actual good team, then um, you know the, the back door cover would be there. But uh, I think Ravens minus seven is a good bet. Um, yeah, it's yeah, just uh, it does seem like a trap. I know it, it seems like yeah, Brett. Brett you're you're usually good at kind of spotting these trap situations. I mean, here's the scary part: Lamar didn't even have to do it on the ground last week. Goes twenty to twenty five for two seventy five through the air and three touchdowns. And now they get a situation where the Texans just were gouged by Clyde Edwards, Alaire, and they come at you with so many different formations, the Ravens on the run game here. Uh, let me know where is, uh, where's the trap situation here. It looked like the Texans offense was really missing DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Will Fuller's just not a number one. It's a team full of number twos. And so, um, yeah, tough, tough for me to, to, to find a reason to, to back the Texans here. 
I want to love the Texans so mm-hmm. much here. Extra rest. You got a significant move off the look ahead caused by a week one Ravens blowout that I thought would probably happen because of the mismatch the Ravens have with the Browns. Uh, but what if the look ahead was wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, what if it should have been Ravens minus seven and a half? What if they're just that much better than the Texans who looked, like you said, flat offensively in week one? I was not impressed at all by what they brought. Um, just no no urgency, you know, no aggressiveness. They were just, that's not how you play against the chiefs. And now you've got another explosive offense that can put points on the board and the Ravens. You have to try Mm -hmm. to get something going downfield with these weapons. I, it's hard to trust Bill O'Brien against John, against Harbaugh here. I just, you know, I, this is a stay away yeah, from me. It was a, it's a Ravens or pass for me is basically how I would play this. Um, if you're leaning Ravens, I, I would not hate you to make for making that play. I couldn't put a Texans ticket in my account and and feel good about it. If we're if we're recording this podcast next week, guys, and we're talking about the Ravens going in there and winning by 24, it would not surprise me in in the least bit. You know, so uh, it wouldn't have a Texans ticket. Would have a Ravens if I was going to bet that game. Another team that we know is very, very good, and that is the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are heading on the road to the Chargers. The Chargers, the luckiest of lucky to get that win against the Bengals last week. The Chiefs, of course, proved that they're still the Chiefs. We are seeing this reflected in the line here as the Chiefs are eight-and-a-half-point road favorites against the Chargers. Brett, I mean, I think whenever you look at this, it might be a benefit that this is being played in front of no fans because it probably be majority Chiefs fans as opposed to Chargers fans over there yeah. in L.A. So this is probably better for the Chargers, actually, that there's not going to be fans in there. So I'm not really putting anything on this as being a, a road game situation because I think it probably would have benefited the Chiefs. If anything, um, eight and a half point favorites, there is one eight available at Sugar House. This, I mean, just take what I just said about that last game and it applies to this game. Like this, like this feels like the same situation, like a, a move through a key number to the look ahead of eight and a half here. And I just, I don't know what to mm-hmm. do with this. Like the Chiefs might just be this much better than the Chargers, especially, you know, no Derwin James. You, you see the loss of him. He's just, he matters so much back there. He just runs that defense. I, I have no position on this game at all. I just have nothing. I, I don't know what to do with it. This, uh, Brad, for me, is also going to be in uh, a teaser leg for me. I'm going to go ahead and anchor this to that Titans as well. It, it Titans at home minus two to Chiefs, getting the Chiefs to two and a half. I don't typically like to play teasers for teams on the road and where, but again, I just kind of, I just kind of laid out why I think that this isn't really that big of a scenario for the Chiefs being on the road in this. And again, this is just the weirdest of weird seasons as it is anyway. So I'm not really putting as much stock in that as I used to. Chiefs offense looked to not miss a beat whatsoever. And this Chiefs uh, Chargers offense definitely looked to struggle like hell against that Bengals uh, team last week. And I just don't know if this Chargers offense, even even if the Chiefs minimally struggle, I just don't know if there's enough firepower for the Chargers to keep this thing close. Uh, No, I'm with you. I have bet Chiefs minus eight and a half. Mm. Got a real square card this week. But yeah, I get it. It just, I just think they're a vastly superior mm-hmm. team. So I think it was quite scary how they played against the Texans because so last year they were this very pass heavy on first down. Um, you know, it was kind of run as a, you know, when, when you're up by 20. Yeah. And so they came out Thursday night 
they didn't do that. They ran the ball more than half the time. They didn't throw down. I think Mahomes didn't complete a pass more than 20 yards downfield. It was like Andy Reid was it was in third gear. Yeah. Thought, we're just going to show we, you what we can do. So yeah, let me show you our new toy. Yeah. Oh, by the way, here's our new toy in the backfield. Uh, we'll, we'll highlight him. And then when we need to sh- uh, highlight all of our four, two speed wide receivers, we'll do that whenever, whenever it comes time. Yeah, it, it really felt like we're going to score 30, whatever you lot do. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to run half the time. We're, we're not going to be optimal because we don't need to be. And which I, I think that's quite scary because if anyone does make them go into fifth gear, I mean, yeah, like the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, they just chuck it down mm-hmm. the field to Tyreek Hill and score 20 points in four minutes. Um, so I, 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 don't, I don't think they stopped the Chiefs, the Chargers here. You know, they've, they've got that Derwin James injury. They'd lost another linebacker last week. Um, the strength of the Chargers is is Joey Bosa, but that's you know he's probably going up against the best right tackle in the NFL in Mitchell Schwartz. So I think the Chiefs are going to get going to get what they want again. So it's can Tyrod Taylor keep up? Well, his first game was terrible, mm-hmm. really. I mean, it, it looked okay. They scored sixteen, they won the game, but we saw what that Bengals team yeah. was last night. They got shredded by the Browns, who, who aren't that good. Um, and Tyrod had 38% success rate against them, which was 30th in the league last week. Um, and I just wonder, he wasn't good at his last stop with the Browns. He, he was last good in Buffalo, which is, is a few years ago now. He's 31. He's you know He's meant to be a mobile quarterback. He got seven yards on six carries. So is he mobile? Even at his peak, he wasn't explosive. He just mm-hmm. didn't turn the ball over that often. So if you're going to ask him to keep up with the best offense in the league and against the ferocious pass rush, this is another mismatch. Um, you know, Frank Clark, Chris Jones going up against the sort of bottom eight Chargers offensive line. I think I think they're going to have plenty of sacks on their plate. So it's just a mismatch yeah. wherever you look, if you ask me, and I'm happy to lay eight and a half. Yeah, it was saying, I, I, and that's the I, thing. I didn't see, uh, yeah, Brett, I mean, I think you're going to say the same thing. I was like, yeah, you, you like go position for position for position every single matchup, and it's like advantage Chiefs, advantage Chiefs, advantage Chiefs. Yeah, and if I'm if I'm trying to cover a big number, we talked about Burrow and the potential for them to get back doors because mm-hmm. they can get garbage yards and touchdowns late in games. That You don't have that no. with Tyrod Taylor. There's, that upside isn't there. So if they're a negative script, I don't feel comfortable right. Like them trying to get you know, backdoor their way into a cover. I just don't feel comfortable with that. So I just say, yeah, it's, it's hard to take the chargers here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I'm with you, Brad. It's a, it's an eight and a half. It's a take it down to, to two and a half. If you're a teaser player, uh, I would love having that teaser leg in my, in my pocket. It would shock me. It would be shocking if the chiefs did not win this game by at least three points. So um, yeah, I would love to have that one in my pocket for sure. Patriots at the Seahawks Seahawks at home here as four point favorites across the board. Actually, there is a three and a half still left out at sugar house. If you want to do that, those three and a halfs have been gone for a while at most other books. So if you do want to take advantage of that head over to sugar house, if that is something that you're interested in, but for the prevailing number in this one, um, Brett, let's start with you in this one. We mm-hmm. finally got to let we, we finally let Russ cook. We finally get the Seahawks offense that we've been begging for for the last three years. You and I have been doing this podcast now for coming on three years where we were screaming, please, please just let him do his thing. Please just let this happen. Uh, maybe it was the addition of DK Metcalf is what they needed to say like, oh, okay, we have multiple weapons, so we'll do that now. I don't I don't know exactly what it was, but uh, they finally get it done. They looked amazing. Russ looked amazing. We know he's a w- amazing as it is anyway. The Patriots grind out a win. 
on the ground game. I mean, it was really and truly a power running game for the Patriots in that week one win. Um, Four point favorites are the Seahawks here at home. I'm not going to pretend like I have any idea about this game. I feel like I'm the, D- the D- Detroit Lions right now. Like I, all my takes came early yeah. in the show, and now I'm like, <laughs> I have no position on any of these late games. I just have an inherent bias with the Hawks. I'm wrong about them constantly. Mm-hmm. I was wrong about them last week. I just always undervalue them apparently. And then with the Patriots, like I always have blinders on when I when I cap the Patriots. So I I don't know what to do with this game. The number is also kind of weird. So I mean, if I had to lean one way, I would just take the points with the Patriots, but yeah, I, I just, I like subconsciously, I just do the wrong thing with the yeah. Seahawks every single week. I don't know what it is. So I'm just, you know, this is a, so I, I'm glad to hear that because actually I have a lot of conviction here on the Seahawks with this one. Yeah. Good. I was able to get the three and a half. Um, it popped up. I popped the three and a half. It went to four. So, you know, I'm feeling at least like I have a, a better number here in this one, Brad. I mean, I'm very curious as to your thoughts here, but for me, I mean, this is a Patriots defense here that, you know, between the 5 million opt outs and then the, just the exodus in the offseason as well completely decimated and now they're going against this I am going to do the thing that Brett you and I said we were not going to do we were going to give it up last year and I'm going to do it I'm going to assume rational coaching sorry I'm going to assume rational coaching and that they looked at the tape last week and said holy shit why weren't we doing this for the last three years yeah I'm going to assume rational coaching that they're going to come out and they're going to be throwing the ball from the get-go. They're going to be moving the ball. They're going to be attacking this weakness of the defense here for this Patriots team and that they're going to be able to get this done. Of course, they don't have the 12th man there. That's not going to be happening. So the the home game factor is kind of out of play here for Seattle. Um, they're not going to have that crazy crowd and, and have that helping them out. But um, you know, the addition of Jamal Adams, he played really well there. He is on the injury report, but he's going to play uh, I think it's just going to be too much here for, for Cam in his second start in this offense. What say you, Brad? Well, um, so sidewise, I couldn't come up with much. I think probably mm-hmm. statistically, you know, they're probably both around nine win teams on preseason expectations. So you could probably make an argument for the number to be close to three than four. Um, but I've got a couple of concerns. One is one is the West Coast team thing. You know, West Coast team at home and at a night game. You know, they've I think they've covered around 55, 56% historically. So that's not something I want to go against. Um, I was tempted by the under. So okay. we know we know the we know the Patriots will play to the weakness of their opponent and the weakness of the Seahawks is up front. So I think we'll be a lot more of what we saw last week. Um, just not much passing. I, I don't think the Patriots have got the, the receivers to match up with uh, the Seahawks secondary. So it's going to be a lot more Cam, a lot more Sonny Michelle, um, which obviously keeps the clock running um, and, and slows the game right down. Then, so obviously the question is, you know, what will they do as you were saying? Um, and there was that video that came out this week of apparently Russ had told the coaches, like, if, if you don't let me play, if you don't let me throw the ball more often, oh, I'm going to leave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We don't know how real that is, but mm. then there was also a Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll quote going, "Yeah, it worked great, but that's not really who we want to be." Mm. So it, it, there are question marks, and I would say again that the weakness of the Patriots is, is up front. They've they've still got the good corners, but they don't really have the front seven. Mm. You know, there was opt outs, there was departures. So I do wonder if if they are having the success, you know, five six yards a pop on the ground, that they do they do go with that. Um, 
so I, I can see a quick moving game uh, and a lot of clocks ticking away. So, yeah, if it, if it got to 45 and a half, I might have a small play, but mm. I'm not involved yet. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of balancing factors all over the field, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing too, I don't really know what to take from Cam. I mean, he only threw the ball 19 times in that game last week, and it was really just kind of the Cam Newton show on the ground. Uh, and they just, they, they ran the ball 40 something times in that game. So uh, it, we didn't really see a ton from the Patriots offense. I just am kind of going what I did see from the Seahawks offense in this one. I think that they'll be able to put up some points. And uh, the three and a half, I thought, was going to be on the move. It was. So I, I, I nabbed that and we're sitting at four right now. So love, love, love the Seahawks. think they're going to be able to get this one done against that Patriots team. I think the number is a little inflated because it's the Patriots and, um, you know, that Patriots factor, but not the same Patriots team. Head into Monday night here. The Saints are coming here to my hometown, my, my town here in Las Vegas. They are going to be opening up Allegiant Stadium over there against the Raiders, they are five and a half point. There is one six still left out there. Um, favorites in this one, the Raiders, five and a half point dogs or one six is at Sugar House right now. As a dog in this one, um, Brad, the Saints are likely to be without Michael Thomas. It is a situation where then at that point, they are going to be forced to have Emmanuel Sanders step up and be the alpha. Well, the problem with that is, is this is his second game uh, for this team. So it's going to be a situation where they're going to be asking a lot of a guy who is stepping in for the second game and really wasn't that big of a factor in the first game. If we're kind of really being honest here, uh, as we mentioned, Alvin Camaro was kind of bottled up in that game against the Bucs, but we know the Bucs run defense has always been pretty solid up there. So uh, maybe nothing to really take away from that. This Raiders team goes over, wins on the road at the Panthers against that putrid defense. So don't know how much you took away from that Raiders win, but they are catching – you can get a six. So they are catching six at home here against the Saints team. Yeah, this is another tough one. Where I don't have too strong opinion mm-hmm. on. It's another another West Coast team um, playing playing home in a night game. So I would look to the Raiders. I we we don't. It's tough to know how important Michael Thomas is, mm-hmm. isn't it? I've, I've seen some people estimating you know, a point point and a half because obviously he gets huge volume, but he, he never looks spectacular. He's mm-hmm. never he's never burning people downfield. You don't know whether it. It's hard to say what's the system, what's Breeze in his accuracy. And what can be replaced? And I don't really know the answer to that. I, I suspect that they will move the ball. You know, a lot of Kamara, a lot of lot of Cook from tight end. And I think I think um, they'll be all right moving the ball because they will be able to protect. There's there's no real Oakland, Oakland Raiders pass mm-hmm. rush. Um, I was a little unimpressed by the Raiders, really. I think they had a, a plum matchup and they still won by three. Um, you know, they, they gave up 30 to just... A, you know, a group of players who hadn't really played together before, you know, even if there was some speed in that Panthers offense. Um, so, yeah, again, a lot of uncertainty. And I, I just think the number's pretty fair, unfortunately. So no bet for me. Brett, this is uh, interesting for me to say it would be a Raiders or pass for me in this one. I would take either the home dog or pass. I actually do think Michael Thomas is him just not being out there at all, I think is going to affect this offense. I don't know if Emmanuel Sanders is going to be able to step up and be the guy 
right off of the bat here. And also there was a little bit of success on the ground by the Bucks last week. And now here come the Raiders who we know want to feature Josh Jacobs and should be able to move the ball on the ground a little bit here. This is a weird game to me. It's, it's a dog or pass for me here. Yeah. Cause I'm not sure the saints are very good, especially on offense. Like breeze looked washed against Tampa. Yes. Against a solid defense, but now you take Michael Thomas out of the offense and you're relying on Traquan Smith to step in and who's going to get those automatic eight to 12 yard mm-hmm. routes that Thomas just dominates on. And that offense relies on that. So I, my play is the under here. I love mm-hmm. the under. I feel like this, this total is inflated because of what the Raiders did against a putrid Panthers off uh, defense last week. Uh, obviously a very situation, very different situation here uh, against the saints, even though they are at home. So I I'm under in this game is one of my, one of my favorite plays of the week. I don't really, I don't care about the side. And that takes my, uh, my last play here is going to say the, uh, the play that is in my account is the under um, and this one for all the same reasons that you just said here. I think the saints, if at anything are going to have to rely more on the ground game because of the passing situation that they've got going on. And then we know the Raiders want to feature Josh Jacobs. And if they get any sort of success whatsoever, we know Chucky just keeps pounding things. Things are working. He is going to keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again. So yeah, I, I'm actually on the under in this one for everything we said as far as the side goes. It would be Raiders or pass for me. I can't believe I said that as a Saints fan. But, hey, we are here to bet and make money. We are not here to uh, have allegiance to our team. So uh, that's kind of where I sit. Well, let's let's stay on that. Are you one of those guys who is not? I mean, you live in Vegas. Are you going to be a Vegas Raiders no, no. guy or are you? I mean, I'll root for them the to win. Side. I mean, it, it'll be it's better for the city if they're if they're not a terrible team or whatever. So, I mean, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I hope that they're not bottom feeders. I'll, I'll you know, whatever. I'll say that. But no, I'm not going to be a no. You're gonna, yeah, I'm going to be wearing friggin shoulder pads with spikes on them and friggin helmets with horns and shit like that like no no well what's the fan base gonna look like are there gonna be people I, who I don't, I don't, pledge allegiance to I, the Raiders not. it's gonna in be Vegas. corporate bo- boxes and tourists yeah. isn't it yeah boy I, yeah, I, true, I, yeah I, I think it's gonna be it's a weird it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting no no doubt next year when they open up that stadium they've already said no, no fans all year in that one though we're seeing people backtrack left and right there's gonna be college football now by the way everywhere um, mm-hmm. if not to bury the lead in this whole thing. So my circuit picks for the week, I am actually taking the Rams as a pick them against the Eagles. I'm taking the points with the Giants at five and a half at the Bears. I'm going Cardinals six and a half versus the Washington football team. I'm taking the Colts three points versus the Vikings, one of my favorite plays of the week here. And then I am taking that Seahawks four versus the Patriots. Brett, you gave me your uh, picks. We already talked about the Browns didn't go well for you. What are the next four for you here? I've got Eagles, Lions, Titans, and what is my last one? Cowboys. Cowboys. Cowboys barely. Cowboys barely snuck in there over the Colts. I'm going to pull the curtain back here and let you guys know that I didn't uh, tell Brad to have his circuit picks ready until right before this podcast. So if <laughs> if you this these picks are subject to change, Brad, it's okay. We are not going to hold you to these. But uh, what are you looking at right now? You think anyway as far as as far as uh, your circuit picks. Yep, Colts definitely going in. Love that one along with you, Matt. Charge um, Chiefs minus eight and a half will go in there. 49ers minus six and a half will go in there. Um, Eagles, I'm with Brett on that one. Uh, Pick them. And then I will finish it off with uh, Bears 
Milt Bears, Giants plus five and a half. The thing I love about this Rams and Eagles one is somebody's going to be right. So we'll have something to talk about next week <laughs> because I'm either going to be right or y'all will be right. And it'll be uh, it'll be good here. I think my best bet of the week, though, is uh, that Colts minus three of the Vikings. I really do like that Seahawks as well against the Patriots. Um, love the under as well, Brett, in that uh, in that Monday night game. I think that that game could end up being kind of ugly. Um, guys, we'll be back on Wednesday. We'll run through a quick recap. We'll let you know what's going on in sports up and down. I mean, this is craziness. We'll have a U.S. Open winner as well to go over. We'll talk about what's going on in the NHL, the NBA as well. And then, of course, we'll take a look at Thursday night football. Head over to the lines if you need any. Click on your state. Be sure and take advantage of having multiple accounts. The reason we keep saying that there's Oh, the, the prevailing number is this, but there is a this available is because we're always trying to point out that you can get a better number so long as you shop. So be sure and take advantage of that out there. One of the most important things you can do as being a profitable sports better. For Brad, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>